2: All
0: right, we're back. Kevin's Corner coming at you on a Wednesday. We are, I guess, about nine days into free agency. I would say this week, Eddie, one of the bigger things around the NFL is probably the Pro Day Circus. Uh, Ohio State today, Alabama tomorrow, Kentucky on Friday. Sounds like Florida's will be next week. Obviously, those colleges all very relevant to the Colts right now. Um, and then we are... On the horizon with OTAs, um, or I should say the offseason program. OTAs, you know, specifically when you can get on the field seven on seven, 11 on 11, that stuff's a little bit deeper into the month of May, but, you know, the Colts will start up their offseason program under Shane Steichen coming up in April. And boy, uh, the next time we do a podcast next week, we'll be like less than a month away from from the draft. So, love this time of year. And uh, we do have a couple of free agent moves to talk about. Isaiah McKenzie, I do want to hit a little bit deeper on Paris Campbell and Gardner Minshew. I don't think we gave a ton of attention to those two. I don't even know if the Campbell move had happened uh, by the time we recorded last Thursday.
3: No, we recorded as per usual and about an hour later, not even yeah. maybe, had announced that he had signed with the Giants.
0: Yeah, we should like give out a warning for when we are about to record and then you can just wait. 30 minutes and there'll be some sort of news item that's breaking, so, yeah. uh, so we'll hit on that. Uh, Jim Bob Cooter was on our morning show today, that is Kevin Inquire here locally. I'll be honest with you, I don't know if it's the most enlightening thing you'll ever hear, but um, I, I do think Jim Bob's a nice guy, but you know, certainly a good amount of coach speak, particularly this time of year, when you're asking any sort of draft-related questions. Yeah. Um, but yeah, before we get into it, Eddie, how you doing, man?
3: I'm tired, KB. Just a little tired.
0: Uh, tired from Pacer game, I guess that would be tonight, but I would say, is that due to the move? Yes.
3: Yeah, in large part due to the move and still working during the move, too, so.
0: Yeah, and this weather absolutely sucks for a move.
3: Oh, yeah. you know, Saturday, uh, Friday it was like high 30s and windy, Saturday it was snowing, and then Sunday it was still cold and windy.
0: Right. And then this week, if you have any lingering items that you're trying to move, it is just gloomy. And it looks like Seattle, basically, is what it is here. Or England. In Indianapolis. Or England, yes. Um, All right, let's get into the pod, and let's start with the Isaiah McKenzie signing from yesterday. Um, Eddie, this is a move that I like. Um, I think why I like it is because... It's a new ingredient that you have not had in the Colts' offensive kitchen, I think, in quite some time. Um, Now, there are questions about Isaiah McKenzie from a dependability and reliability standpoint. Not an availability, and I know I'm getting a lot of ILTYs into the show here early, but he's available, he's durable, he plays a lot of games. It's just when he's on the field, you're sometimes going to groan a little bit in his inability to secure the football. So we'll get into that. But why I like it is because he is a versatile, gadgety, speed guy. And when I say speed, vertical, straight-line speed, yes, but also lateral speed. And I think the side-to-side stuff, Eddie, is really what you have to focus on of, you know, I don't feel like the Colts, and I thought Paris Campbell would have some of this, and I don't think Campbell maybe gave you enough in this area that you hope McKenzie can kind of be more of a jitterbug for you. Think like third and five, put your foot in the ground, create separation and man coverage. And you just create a little bit with your speed, and boom, that separation's enough to make a big play. Um, the red zone, when the field constricts in its man coverage, you need guys like this that can potentially, again, create that separation with their speed and make a play. Um, obviously, he's versatile. Uh, he, he's touched the ball, or I should say he's carried the ball 47 times in his career. Um, he's got punt return history. He's got kick return history. Um, and I, I just I felt like the Colts had too many power forwards at receiver, and they needed a few more fairly Dickinson point guards. You know? <laughs> a, a few more, and apologies to any Purdue fans out there. I'm giving you a virtual hug um, for that. But they just need a few more guys that bring kind of that speed threat that, you know, when he gets into a huddle – I think the defense at least needs to know where he is, and I don't know if you put Mike Strawn in the huddle. The defense is freaking out on where he is. Um, Now, again, I think it's worth pointing out there are some inconsistency issues from a ball security standpoint, and this is why I look at the move, Eddie, and I don't want this to be viewed as that is your full-time slot receiver. In a perfect world, it would be. But I want to make sure that the Colts stay open-minded and say, you know what, let's go out and find another wideout, and let's make sure we keep Isaiah in this. These are the Isaiah package plays each week, and how can we tap into those? How can we keep him versatile, keep him fresh, use him on fourth downs, but line him up in the backfield at times, jet sweep, reverse, et cetera, et cetera. The drop numbers are very alarming, Eddie, very alarming. Um Last year, I believe he had the ninth highest drop rate in the NFL among wideouts. Uh, if you would have gone back to the year prior, he didn't catch enough balls to qualify in the drop rate category, um, but he dropped, I think it was 11.2% of his targets the year prior. Uh, that would have been the highest among any wideouts. Last year, again, it was nine 9- nine 9.2% if you want to look at just kind of the raw numbers. Last year was about six drops in 65 uh, targets. La- and the year before that, it would have been three drops in 26 targets. Eddie, I'm sure you recall Colts Bills from a few years ago. Yep. Obviously, one of the best wins of the Frank Reich era. Uh, I thought when that game went from, wow, the Colts are playing really good football to, holy shit, this is a route. Was when Isaiah McKenzie coughed it up on the on the uh, kick return late first half. Colts got a short field, punched it in, I think to go up twenty-four-seven. I think it was seventeen-seven. 7 you know at that point at seventeen-seven, you're giving the ball back to Josh Allen. If they score late half, you know it's a one-possession game going into half. Now all of a sudden you stretch the lead to three scores, and the route was on. Um, fumble-wise, that was more of a rookie-year issue for Isaiah McKenzie, but it's it's there. Um, so I think we have to be realistic with those sorts of things about – there's a reason why he was cut. There's a reason why he hasn't been kind of the full-time, you know, slot receiver in Buffalo because I do think that it's a weapon that Buffalo has tried to tap into. Um What else? What else do you like about him? What else do you not like?
3: I was about to say to the end there, that point you were making about him not being, you know, the slot receiver guy. I mean, they brought Cole Beasley in the end of last season for Buffalo to kind of provide some juice out of that slot position. Uh, They also brought in Jamison Crowder. Uh, before the start of the year, I know Buffalo was very high on Isaiah McKenzie, but it just seemed like he couldn't find his way on the field routinely for them. And then you're looking at options as to why they may. And let he was him healthy, go. to be clear, Correct. during that.
0: You know, I, yeah. I, I want to stress that. And, you know, Eddie, I wonder if the Naheem Hines trade played into some of the man, I wish we were getting more out of Isaiah. Correct. You know? And so, again, he has punt return history. And so that's where I think he could slot in there because. Naeem Hines has been doing that for the Colts, you know, the past few years, and they didn't really find anybody late in the year to, to do that.
3: Um, the other point I was going to add to that is that I think they want an expanded role for Khalil Shakir. That's
0: a good point. Their rookie right yeah, out from, from last from year, yeah, yeah who good I th-
3: who flashed really well against uh, the Colts in the preseason. Then he had some moments uh, during the course of the season, and had that big drop in the playoff game. Uh, had he been able to secure it, it, would have been a big a big reception. Uh, for Buffalo.
0: You know, when you think about speed guys, there's probably a couple stereotypes that 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 come with them. And honestly, I think in McKenzie's case, they probably both apply. First, speed guys usually talk a bit, and I think McKenzie is a little bit more outgoing than what we're used to out of a Colts wideout. Probably a little bit different than Michael Pittman and Alec Pierce, and I would say any, even T. Y. Hilton. Yeah. Um. So I, I you know, and I'm not saying that like that's a bad thing necessarily. I'm just saying he's a little bit more of a personality, which I think you can make an argument the Colts need maybe some of that um, inside of their locker room. So I do think you are getting that. And then again, speed guys typically aren't the surest of hands. And the guys that are super reliable with hands aren't usually the quickest. Uh, that's just kind of how it goes. So I don't have that big of an issue with his drops in the sense of, like, you can't put him out on the field. Again, small package of plays, a versatile amount of plays— And just putting him on the field, it tells an opponent that says, hey, let's make sure we know where he's lining up. Because if he gets an angle on us, that's a guy that can do something with the ball in his hands that I don't think the Colts have had enough of. Paris Campbell, I would argue, Eddie, is more of the natural wideout of the two. But again, I never felt like Campbell showed to the level you were hoping, watch me make plays like I did at Ohio State with the ball in the hands. Like post-catch. You know, I've always said this about speed guys offensively, the beautiful beautiful thing about them is you're giving them the ball in a very high percentage touch, a screen, a dump, a handoff, whatever. You expect that ball to be caught and not be put on the ground. And then what you're saying is this ball is not traveling a long ways in the air. We're not putting a lot of risk on that. But we are saying with you having the ball in your hands, you take off and you do something with it. And I think that is what you're hoping for with Isaiah McKenzie
3: yeah I was about to say some of these veteran type of slot receivers I'd be curious to see their numbers when they're operating with their rookie quarterback
0: and and I'm glad you brought that up because again so much of my what this offseason should largely be about is helping out the rookie putting less on that rookie quarterback's plate and this is a guy that I think can aid in that. Again, having said it, I still want one more. I, like You can't ignore his inconsistency. You can't ignore he's 5'8". You know, Paris Campbell, I think one of the first things you'll notice about Campbell is that dude's not small. I think people, when you see Paris Campbell in person, I'm like, he's a legit six foot and he's a legit 195, 200 pounds. So uh, that's what I think made Campbell a little bit more of a, hey, he can go play 60 snaps at wideout. McKenzie is not going to be that guy um, anything else on the Isaiah McKenzie front
3: I don't think so I'm going to make this quick transition to Paris Campbell so I can get out here get some water I got a little tickle in my throat All good yeah Campbell to the Giants a one-year deal thought it was a little odd that the Colts would pass up on Paris for that price tag
0: yeah and, and I, I would start here with Paris um, first off you have a Mike Groh connection with the Giants Mike Groh former wideout coach I think that plays into um, some of the connection there um, I I wasn't a huge fan of seeing Paris Campbell leave, particularly for the contract that was handed out. Um, again, everything for this offseason needs to be centered around trying to support your rookie quarterback during fragile, inexperienced times. Um, I think we oftentimes think, oh, you're just in tank mode. You're looking ahead to 2025, 2026, etc. You need to find the balance in doing that. Versus also making sure your rookie quarterback feels the support that he needs. Um, What I wanted to see from Campbell, honestly, from a contract standpoint, was very much what the Giants gave him. You know, a short one-year deal with a lot of incentives within that. And I think that's what he did get. Um, And I think if you look at your need list right now, we'll see how the rest of free agency plays out. But, I mean, wideout to me is still very much a need. Cornerback has only risen in need. I would say offensive line remains as big of a need as it was a couple weeks ago, and to me that's an interior prospect and a swing tackle. And you know what, Eddie? It was small bonuses, but Ryan Kelly and Kenny Moore got a couple bonuses over the weekend. They weren't massive bonuses, but they were financial bonuses that (laughs) I think all of us would like to sign up for. Oh, yeah, definitely. That probably is an indicator to me that they might not be going anywhere, or they might not be going anywhere very quickly. So, um, I think you have to acknowledge that you still need to make some moves at those positions, and just from a cap space standpoint, um, I could see the Colts holding on to a lot of this, of what they have, and thinking, oh, we need it for you know, a Pittman contract extension. We need it for a Jonathan Taylor contract extension. So, I'm very curious to see how that plays out. Um, I think one thing to note on Campbell, you know, Eddie, if you look in that room and group the tight ends in that room as well, you still lack a lot of experience. You know, when you throw, what, nobody's really on a second contract outside of Mo Alley-Cox and Isaiah McKenzie. Yeah, I think you could argue Mo Alley-Cox and Isaiah McKenzie have been two pretty inconsistent performers. Throughout there,
3: definitely. Career. So definitely.
0: Uh, that is where my worry comes into play a little bit here, when you're talking about you know providing some veteran experience for a rookie QB. Yeah. You know, lastly, on the Campbell front, to me, well, I guess two things. One, this guy had sixty some catches last year, Eddie, and about six hundred yards receiving, and that was with really bad quarterback play. Like to me, with better quarterback play, he can be an eighty for eight hundred type of guy. Um, the other thing to note is that 2019 draft class, it's filled with a lot of misses for the Colts, and it's just kind of salt is in the wounds when you look at wide receiver in that 2019 draft. You know, think about the wide as how we taken. D. Bill Samuel, A.J. Brown, D.K. Metcalf, Deontay Johnson, Terry McLaurin, these are all second- and third-round wideouts. Yeah, And in those two rounds, Eddie, the Colts made four selections. They had four picks. They ended up having four in the rounds two and three. Not a single one of those guys is still on the roster. And you drafted a wideout during that time. So whether it is Rocky Seen or it is Paris Campbell, or it is Ben Banigou, or Bobby Okereke, th- that's disappointing. When you... Don't use free agency as much as virtually everybody else in the NFL. And, again, free agency is more to complement, to you know, patch here or there. It's obviously not necessarily to build. But I still think it's an avenue that you can explore to help your football team. When you decide not to use it to that degree, drafts mean more. And so the 2019 draft undoubtedly is a disappointment. You know, it was the Kari Willis thing out of your control, is in his retirement. Sure, but again, when you have the four picks in rounds two and three, you need one or two of those to be pieces that you're building with and are kind of cornerstone guys and wear a Colts uniform for six to eight years and, and things like that. You're not getting that. EJ Speed's the only guy left yeah. from a 10-man draft class. So uh, that was another reminder for me in losing Campbell. And I guess last last thing on Campbell. You know, you held on to him this past season. I, I I don't know if it feels like a total waste, but, you know, it's one of those, like, y- you saw him prove himself, and then you let him walk. Like, that's a little odd to me. Again, especially for the contract that you saw, which I thought was pretty manageable. I think Paris Campbell and Isaiah McKenzie both. That would have made a lot of sense for me because, again, I view Isaiah McKenzie much more as a gadgety, Yeah. Package a play guy, not a fifty-eight snap out of the slot type of guy.
3: When you look at like the wide receiver room, as you mentioned for the Colts, it's got Michael Pittman Jr. and Alec Pierce at the head of it. So it wouldn't make sense in my estimation, or in my eyes, for them to be really looking at a veteran wide receiver that primarily plays on the outside. Right. And the guys that come to mind are like dj chark like the only guy that really sticks out when you look at who's still there marvin jones maybe slightly but then uh you look down a little bit and you see mccall Harmon. he's 25 and he's available still now i think a large part of that could be due due to availability because he's had especially this past season injury history but you know the speed is there with him and you can line him up anywhere on the field so I'm interested to see uh, where he ends up and if the Colts would have any interest in him.
0: Yeah, and again, I still want to see one more. I I agree wholeheartedly with you on the types of wideouts that you should be going after. You know, from a um, skill set standpoint, you want to be diverse. You don't want to have all the same sort of ingredients in the um, in the kitchen for you. And I also think you want to get to a point where you get to the draft and you don't feel like you have to force needs, um, especially when. You know, there's a potential that you make a trade, or there's a potential that, you know, you are taking a quarterback in round one, which obviously is going to take a really quality resource or asset um, to that sort of position. Um, anything else on Paris Campbell? Or should we hop into Gardner Minshew before we get to Jim Bob Cooter? Yeah, we can hop into the shoe who plays for the shoe now. Look at that. I saw a couple for the shoe hashtags there. Again, I. I think we hinted at this on Thursday's podcast that uh, Minshew was going to be the the signing. Um, I like it. I think he checks a lot of desirable boxes for a backup slash bridge quarterback to the rookie.
3: I like the contract too.
0: Right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Contract seems very manageable. And if you look at the contract, you know, one for what was it like three and a half, and can make up to five and a half. I, yeah. I think that sounds right. Obviously, that's the Colts saying we don't know how much. We're going to use him. I know it's a question my co-host threw to Jim Bob Cooter that you'll hear, but they don't even know you know, how much they will need him to play this season. Why I like the Minshew signing, first off, Eddie, he's got playing experience in the league. He started in each of his four seasons, 24 starts. That's a pretty good number for you know, quote-unquote backup or bridge. I think it's really important that he started a lot of games as a rookie. So let's just play out a hypothetical. Let's say it's Anthony Richardson. In that room, well, the fact that you have a guy that has started twelve games as a rookie—if Anthony Richardson plays as a rookie, he can be very beneficial to him in relating what that experiences, what what those experiences were like for him.
3: And his starts came in the same division.
0: Yeah, I I didn't even think about that, but yeah, that that is another um, little connection there. I think it's also key that you know he's had two starts each of the last two seasons. And those are with Shane Steichen in his ear. So the fact that, you know, he's used to Steichen lingo, how he operates on game day, how he operates during a week, um, certainly will know the kind of the core systems and core values of either offensive language or um, what Steichen kind of has principles for the offense. I think those are some other um, important things. I, I would think the one area where he, he doesn't check the ideal kind of bridge veteran backup box would be he was a six-round pick. And while Minshew mania has kind of evolved, it's not like this guy was drafted by Jacksonville and he was put on the side of billboards around town. When the Colts draft this guy at four overall, there will be fanfare and hype that Minshew did not have back in April of 2019 as a six-round pick.
3: There's going to be a lot of let's start X Let's start X.
0: Yeah, and again, Minshew got into the lineup as a rookie when Nick Foles got hurt w- week one. You know, it's not like Minshew won the job, or you know, there was hype to play him right away. But I know Shane Sykin loves his competitiveness. I know he loves his football intelligence as well. Um, so yeah, I, I'm good with I'm I'm good with like a quarterback room next year of the rookie Minshew and Ellinger. I don't see the need for Nick Foles.
3: Um, you find it odd he's still on the roster?
0: A little bit. Yeah, I do. Again, I probably have to look closer at some of those roster bonuses and when they're due. But
3: um, that's the weird thing about it. To me, it's like if you know he's not going to be there on the roster, why, why wait? Like, what's the point? Like, the same with Matt Ryan. Like, you know you're not going to keep him, so why are you waiting until the last day?
0: Yeah, I think a lot of it is scar tissue from McDaniel's. To be totally honest with you, of like we've been burnt really bad, so why? Should we make moves before the deadlines call for them? With Foles, I, I first off, I don't know if he really wants to be here. To be totally honest, and two, like you're going to draft a quarterback in April. Maybe I guess maybe they're going to wait till the draft ends to do it. Um, but again, Nick Foles doesn't need to be here. Like I'd rather see Gardner Minshew play o- over Nick Foles. Uh, you know, given the age and all of that. Um, lastly, before we get to. The interview coming up here with Jim Bob Cooter.
3: You call him Jim? Jim Bob? JBC? I went Jim Bob. I went a little
0: coach. Um, I did not go coach Cooter. Um, that's where I decided to the the, man. to draw the line. Cooter man could be good. Yeah, it could be really good. Um, especially if Shane Steichen gives up plays and Cooter man's dialing him up from the old press box. Or maybe he'll be on the field. I think he's an on-the-field guy. Again, about nine days into free agency so far. The Colts have lost these players, and not all were just free agents in the open market, but of note, Stephon Gilmore, Bobby Okereke, Brandon Faison, Matt Ryan, Paris Campbell, the returners or the newcomers, Samson Ebucom, Tyquan Lewis, EJ Speed, Matt Gay, Taven Bryant, Ashton Doolin, special teamer Tony Brown, and Gardner Minshew. On the notable free agent list... Yanni Kangakwe, Rodney McLeod, and Chase McLaughlin.
3: It's also worth noting week two is usually the busy week for Ballard. He kind of lets that, you know, the dust settle after the first week, and then he starts to dive into, you know, what's left over.
0: Like Isaiah uh, McKenzie. Week two, week three, yeah. Uh, And that means they'll have a signing here in two hours after we. This podcast basically.
3: i was gonna say five minutes but yeah <laughs>
0: all right before you get to twitter questions uh here it was this was wednesday morning with us kevin and query our morning show
2: new offensive coordinator jim bob cooter How- life is so much more than a diagnosis it's about sharing time with those you love hanging with friends who lift you up and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy all hits no skips Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at kisqali.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between.
0: How's the last month been? I know this is your second stint here in India. I'm sure it's been a bit of a whirlwind and trying to cram together before free agency and obviously uh, the draft upcoming next month. Uh, but what's the last month been like for you?
1: Yeah, it's it's. I think it's always crazy. Um, you know, after the previous season, when you when you get to a new spot, get to a new job, get to a new city, um, all the stuff that needs to be done. And obviously, we're 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 working hard to, to get all that done. But it's been it's been great to be back here in Indy. Uh, like you said, I spent spent three years here as a young coach, and to be able to you know see a lot of the people, see a lot of the city, and obviously a ton of a ton of the, Folks that still work around the building here, it's it's been really fun.
4: How much coach of like when you come in and you start to assess, obviously the the offense that you want to run, and you look at the personnel that's there. You know this is a a time when rosters are always kind of in flux. How much direct say do you have in terms of you know what I think this is the kind of player we could use, or this is the kind of player we lack, or we're not using this guy enough, etc. What is the process of assessing your current roster? And then making your wish list, if you will.
1: Yeah, I think uh, organization. We have a we have a lot of discussions, right? The, the front office guys uh, ask us for our opinion uh, on a lot of different areas, a lot of different things, and then we want to we want to have an informed opinion. So we're we're watching a, a, a lot of tape of our guys playing. we're watching a lot of tape of you know maybe free agents, maybe draft picks, uh, all the all the stuff that uh, you know wouldn't surprise anybody at home. But we're we're doing all that background work on guys. Um, and then, you know, we'll, we'll have those discussions internally. And, and, you know, sometimes we have meetings about them. Sometimes it's a little more informal discussion. And, you know, you want to make sure you're prepared with uh, what what avenues you think are best uh, to improve the team, improve the roster. And ultimately, you know, our job is to coach coach these guys and go out and find a way to score some points and win some games. But uh, this, uh, this is a important time of year to, to make sure you're or we are kind of, you know, on top of, of the personnel game in, in the NFL and, and keeping an eye on everybody. And like I said, a lot of times coach coaching-wise, um, we watch a lot of tape, we, we write a lot of reports, and we we try to have opinions. You
4: will be bringing in, or the Colts are bringing in, obviously, a quarterback in Gardner Minshew, with which you're familiar, working with him um, over the course of your career as well. Shane Steichen, that also is true for In your anticipation, is Gardner Minshew a guy that you look at to be the one that's going to be running your offense next year, or is he in a tutorial role for a younger player that will be brought in?
1: I think we're you know we're first off I'm I'm really excited to work with Gardner again. He's uh he's really fun to be around, really fun to work with, and and really really valuable valuable guy for the organization. No matter no matter how it ends up shaking out, Um, I think really we're at the process as a staff as a as an offense of kind of evaluating every position at this time, like including quarterback, right? We're 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 trying to get good players in here, and you know, guys that we think can help us help us get better. And we're not—I don't want to—I'm not going to put up put up put a certain button on a certain guy to to be a certain role at this point, as as much as just you know, get everybody in here, evaluate everybody, get a little competition going, and you know, try to try to make our offense better. So, like I said, I'm. Really excited to work with Gardner again. He's like he's he's one of a kind type of guy, and uh, that'll it'll be fun. It'll be fun being back with him. Give
0: me Jim Bob Cooter. He's the Colts offensive coordinator. He's with us here on the Payless Liquors hotline. Last year in, in Jacksonville, and I thought you made a really interesting comment when you met the media last week, Jim Bob, and that you said you've observed the quarterback position has kind of evolved over the years where guys have a few more tools to work with could you kind of expand on that and whether it was with a guy like Trevor Lawrence or it is evaluating this 2023 draft class what do you mean by a few more tools to work with?
1: yeah I, I think you know in every position there are different ways to succeed and, and especially different ways maybe that have that have succeeded in the past. Um, and, and the game the game evolves a little bit and, and the players do as well the players um you know guys that are guys that are talented in different ways sometimes as years go you know 15 20 i'm sure you know you talk to like some college recruiting type guys you might hear some of the same stories guys uh, end up sort of seeing that certain certain attributes play well at different positions so you're seeing different types of guys really at all sorts of positions that that maybe wouldn't have been there in the 1990s or the 1980s. And, you know, from a quarterback perspective, you know, I I would say we're seeing generally, you know, generally, I think it's fair to say that the position as a whole in the NFL um, is a little more athletic at this moment, maybe than it was 20 or 30 years ago. Um, and, And honestly, just because, you know, there's value to evading a rush. There's value to, Escaping the pocket and making a play downfield, throwing the ball. There's value to scrambling for a third down and, and, and getting a first down that way. And you know, uh, the if there's value there, then if I'm a young young kid and I can play quarterback and I can I can do some of that stuff, then then maybe I'll play quarterback. And that's that's what we're seeing a little bit more of, I think. Um, you know, there's still there's there's all sorts of different guys, and there always will be. But uh, you know, the more tools you have to succeed better chance you have to succeed right like you know you 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 build a house uh you 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 build a house but you don't have a hammer that's that's a little bit harder than 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 having every tool available at home depot right so the more tools we have to succeed um and that, that really kind of goes for our whole offense but that that's i think that's true of the quarterback position
0: it's a great analogy, by the way. I was hoping you were going to make a dart analogy um, to get back to that. But, um, yeah,
1: I, w- I was going to not touch that. I was going to not touch okay. that. I think I've gotten a little rusty. Uh, it's it's maybe been a while. but uh, I think yeah,
0: once you have it, I, I don't think you ever <laughs> truly lose it, to be honest with you. um, Again, Jim Bob Cooter is with us. I'd say one of the more popular questions I've gotten, and, and this goes for a lot of offensive coordinators that don't call plays, but you know, I think fans are curious, like, what does Monday through Saturday look like for you on a weekly basis? And what does Sunday look like for you when you're not calling plays? You know, so much focus is that, but obviously you're doing a whole hell of a lot outside of, you know, Shane's role on Sunday, getting the most scrutiny. So what does a game week look like for you as the OC? Yeah.
1: Yeah, And and honestly, I think that's, that's something that we have to have discussions on and and make sure we're on the same page on uh, when we get to that time, you know, like you, you, you guys alluded to earlier it's a it's a it's a crazy part of the year for us we're doing a ton of personnel we're putting the playbook together um some of those some of those in season specifics uh, are things we would we would talk about in the future but i'll just say you know i think my role will be to do everything i can to, to help this offense succeed uh and specifically as you know what we do as a coaching staff around the building here maybe when the players aren't around uh to help coach Steichen with, with everything he needs to to get prepared for the week to get organized for the week um you know there's there's so many things that go on here behind the scenes and ultimately you know if you're not calling the plays you're 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 helping the guy that is and you're helping the players and that's you know that's a simple way to look at it but that's really the I think the right way to look at it like whatever I can do to help I think you know that's what I'll be asked to do and I'll try to find my best path to to help this team get better coach
4: I respect the fact that it would be naive of me for you to to give specific names here so I'm not asking that per se but in this draft there are by all account four quarterbacks that appear to be those that will go fairly early in the draft and I'm curious from your expertise and perspective how big a gap is there from the first to the fourth when you assess them
1: uh well I'm just gonna say that uh it's a really fun draft class to look at I've, I've I've really enjoyed sort of getting going on that process, watching tape of the guys, trying to kinda find out a little bit more about these guys behind the scenes. And, you know, I'm not I'm not gonna be in the mode of, of ranking guys or, or sort of sort of answering your question, I guess would be the, the true way to say it. But uh but it's a it's a fun it's a fun group to look at. It's it's really been uh, like I said, been a good group to to watch and learn and, and really really think about who they might be in the future so I'm, I'm i'm enjoying that process i think a lot of us around the building here are
0: will you go to pro days and what do you find beneficial about getting some one-on-one interactions with these guys whether it is at a pro day private workouts top 30 visits etc uh
1: i'm i'm without getting those specifics i'm sure we'll, we'll have some interactions with these guys and, and that'll be you know it's it's really important to get to know get to know you know, the draft picks, get to know the young, the young guys coming out of college and get to know guys that could, could potentially be uh, joining your team, especially through the draft. Like every year, uh, every year we have these, these different, these different methods, these different ways to communicate with guys and interact with guys. And I've found that to be really valuable over the years Um, to kind of know who you're bringing onto your team, who you're bringing onto your roster um, and, and, and how you're moving forward with those type of guys. So yeah, we're, I'm excited to, to get to interact with those guys whenever the whenever the time comes and keep some of the details of that in-house. But uh, like I said, it's, it's a good group. It's an exciting group to look at.
4: My last question for you, Coach. Jim Bob Cooter's our guest, the offensive coordinator for the Colts on the Payless Stickers Hotline. Um, I realize you worked with and know both these guys now from a professional standpoint, but if I'm not mistaken, you – Went to high school to the same high school that years before you Kelly Holcomb had played, and then obviously you grew up in Tennessee when Peyton Manning was playing. Both of them were Colts quarterbacks. You, the bigger hero for you as a kid was which?
1: Well, that you know, like I said, you try not to rank anybody, you know, make somebody make somebody angry. But boy, it was uh, you know, kind of growing up. Uh, like you said, Fayetteville, Tennessee, the the Lincoln County Falcons was the big high school, and everybody <laughs> went to. Everybody went to, to Friday night to the game down at the pit. That's what they call the the, oh, I love it. the field down there. And Kelly Holcomb it sure was fun to watch back then. And you know, obviously, like you said, growing up, uh, growing up a Tennessee fan, watching Peyton do what he do what he did, and then getting the chance to work with him at a few different spots, including here in Indy. Obviously, uh, not 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 going to rank anybody because I don't want to make a state or a county mad at me. But <laughs> but uh, both those guys is pretty cool. Um, just walking around the building here, you know, getting a chance to look at some of the old teams. You know, they have some of the old team pictures up on the wall and uh, obviously being lucky enough to be a part of some of those. But then, like you said, every now and then you walk by one and you go, oh, there's there's Kelly Holcomb right next to Peyton Manning. And that, that's kind of a cool cool background story. So,
0: uh, Does Jim Bob Cooter have a favorite indie establishment that maybe he ventured to a decade ago that uh, now he's back here? He's like, you know what? Hey, I kind of forgot about that place.
1: Well, I haven't been I haven't been venturing out too much, but uh, I'll sure I have to dig into the dig into the old archives and, and get back to all the all the all the good old restaurants and and stuff around the around town. Make sure I get to get to experience the city.
4: Have you ever been just Jim, or has it always been Jim Bob?
1: Uh, it's always been Jim Bob, yeah, and I haven't been just Jim. Although, you know, from time to time, you, you have a couple different. Uh, names i guess you you get called a little bit of everything as you move around the country but uh yeah it's always been jim bob all
0: right he is jim bob cooter he will be the offense coordinator for the colts under shane steichen here this season and hopes obviously for many more to come after that uh jim bob really appreciate the time this morning i know it's busy with pro days and all that starting so uh thank you for that and uh looking forward to talking to you again this fall
1: all right appreciate it guys have a good one thank you
2: whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you.
0: Thank you to Jim Bob for that. Again, he will
2: not be calling
0: the plays. And, you know, I know certainly held back with some answers there, but hopefully you found that somewhat insightful on, you know, guy, Eddie, that I feel like my time in the NFL – has created like Kevin. Pay more attention to assistants, even if they don't necessarily have the most gargantuan role. Like he isn't calling plays. So when the offense does bad, we will first call out Shane Steichen or the personnel. We aren't going to go to Jim Bob Cooter. But then I think to myself, dude. You know, three years ago the Colts had a coaching staff of Frank Reich, Nick Sirianni, Matt Eberflus, and Jonathan Gannon. Wild. Each of those four guys are co- are the head coaches of NFL teams. So,
3: and there's one that'll probably be a head coach in what, 2 years on this staff? Not on this staff, but on that staff and Bubba Ventrone.
0: Yeah, that is a good point as well. Bubba, you know, so it's one of those things where it's like pay attention, you know, and it's good to like get to know these people because you know, they are one really successful season away from potentially rising up the coaching ranks.
3: 11 Twitter questions. You ready for all of
0: them?
2: Let's do it. Flip
3: is up first he says this seems obvious but isaiah mckenzie fills the void that paris campbell leaves with his departure healthy and a little bit more versatile what are your thoughts there
0: um i i wouldn't go completely again i I, gadgety that's where i want to think of isaiah mckenzie i I don't think the colts given mckenzie's resume should say if you guys really want to get technical look at the paris campbell snap counts from last year that dude played a ton snaps. McKenzie has never really been that guy, so I don't want to put that pressure on him. Plus, I think unlike Campbell, you want to invite him into some special team stuff. So you don't want to put, I think, too much on his plate from an offensive standpoint. Um, Also, I think he can be kind of a forgotten guy of like, oh yeah, they just want a whole drive without putting Isaiah McKenzie on the field, and then boom, you put him on the field, and he's able to make a play for you. So, you know, he will get chances in the slot, but I'd like to see one more wide out
3: there. i like to see um a lot of 21 personnel. I think that's my kind of expectation based off of this. And you mentioning, Hey, you know, Campbell play a lot of snaps. And if I remember correctly last year with Philly, they did a lot of 21 personnel, not much uh, 11. And if they did, uh, they went three wide receivers, but they didn't do it often because they have the running game. And to me, that just kind of, I have that feeling to where it's going to be a lot of double tight end sets, uh, one lineup up each side and a lot of you know running with jonathan taylor and whatever quarterback it is if it is a mobile quarterback under center
0: yeah if you're gonna go that route i'd like to see kind of a blocking tight end i would um, agree at some point this off season, I, i'd still like to see a pass catching running back and, and, and no rush on that that can totally be day three draft pick slash undrafted free agent um and then also of course one more wideout
3: Jake's question is up next. Is this a hot take to call the Colts the best situation for a rookie quarterback between the Panthers, Houston, Texans, and Indianapolis?
0: Um, that's a good question. You know, I I
3: I'd say yes.
0: Yeah, I, I could see again, I always kind of felt this during the hiring process, because obviously all three of those teams had new head have new head coaches as well. I always felt like the Colts having the worst situation or the wor- the least attractive job, I was always kind of like, I don't know if I necessarily totally agree with that. Um, like, to be clear, I don't think any of them walk into like great, great personnel around them. Again, I still think there's questions about the Colts' offensive line. I think there's questions about their pass catchers. They've got to prove themselves as well. Um, obviously, Jonathan Taylor helps you out a ton. And, and I think Shane Steichen helps you out a lot as well. So, yeah. Um, you know, Jake and I had a little bit of a back and forth earlier in the week, and I think it's key to find a balance, Eddie.
3: and Jake as in the guy that asked this Twitter question yes, or your co-host? Sorry,
0: sorry, yes, Jake, who asked this, um, this Twitter question. I think it's important that you try and strike a balance with your skill group for a young QB of guys he can grow with and veterans that have been there done that. You think back to Andrew Luck's rookie season. You think back to... Um, you know Peyton Manning's rookie season. Yeah, you know, Marvin Harrison was 3 years into the league during Peyton's rookie year, but he also had some veteran wideouts around him that I think kind of helps early on. Not only helps Harrison but helps him early on. Um you think back to Donnie Avery, you know, you had Reggie Wayne in 2012, you had TY Hilton, but you know even Hilton had kind of you know Grew or evolved in that rookie year Avery I thought had a really nice 2012 season And he's a guy that had been in the league For a little bit at at that point So um, I think it's important To try and do that As best you can
3: Old, is it Daner? Old Daner might be in the weeds here a little bit. C.J. Stroud and Deshaun Watson are represented by the same agent. Also add the fact that Stroud mentioned in his combine presser that he, quote, models his game after Watson. Could that be intentional? Basically saying, quote, I don't want to be drafted by Houston. Am I Foyle hat here, or could there be some merit to that as we get closer to the draft? Thanks, Kevin. Haven't missed the show yet.
0: How about that, old oh, Daner. God, you talk about availability, right there. Reliability, On the list, man—that's Canton, Ohio, like. Uh, no, I, I don't think it's a super tinfoil hat. Do um, I think it's like the end-all, be-all that CJ Stroud's representation is going to say? Nope, we don't want to go to Houston, or um, you know, however they view that. Not necessarily. Um, if you look at. The fact that D'Amico Ryans went to Alabama, there's obviously that connection with Bryce Young. If you want to get a little bit nitpicky, and I'm not really sure if this is something that'll be super relevant, but Nick Cassero was a quarterback in college, a little bit of a smaller size. Would he be a little bit more open-minded to Bryce Young? Maybe, maybe not, but I think that's something that's worth mentioning as well. So, I I am under the impression, Eddie, and I don't know, maybe I'll be wrong on this, but I'm under the impression that C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young will hear their names called... 1 and 2. I'm not super confident in the order, but I would be very surprised if the Arizona Cardinals get on the clock and one of those two is still there. And if that's the case, the Colts need to stop sitting at 4 and move up to 3.
3: So what you're saying is you're not buying into all this recent buzz. Richardson to 1. Yes.
0: Yeah, and I know Thomas Davis, who obviously is a great Carolina Panther. You know, he had um some comments that some people inside that building like Richardson. I think it is, well, Two things, Eddie. One, I think we have to remind ourselves that these next couple weeks will be very pivotal in solidifying the quarterback order for the teams. Yes. Think back to the draft pick of Quentin Nelson. Think back to the draft pick of Alec Pierce. Chris Ballard's stamp of approval on Nelson came at the Notre Dame Pro Day, watching Nelson in person. The stamp of approval on Alec Pierce came in a private workout in Cincinnati with Reggie Wayne and behind the scenes and getting to know these guys. I don't care one bit what these quarterbacks look like in their pro days. It's scripted. They can throw to their college wideouts, like all of that. Like It's, it's very just like, what are my strengths? Let's make sure we only call plays to my strengths in these pro day settings. Where the pro days do benefit these teams is I'm whatever um, – Cam Turner, I'm the quarterback's coach for the Colts and I go to Kentucky's Pro Day and I can talk to the head coach and I can talk to the play caller and I can talk to the strength coach and I can talk to people behind the scenes and say tell me more about Will Levis as a human that's where it's beneficial. The private workout, that's where you can get into hey Will um, run this route and have this drop back and roll to your left and throw across your body like that. That's when you can get into we saw issues on film Let's see if you can correct them and how you look in those settings. That's when the on-field stuff matters a little bit more. So I think that's something to keep in mind this week. Also, I did want to throw this in there. Um, yesterday I was talking with a, with a scout from another team around the league, and we got into kind of a Richardson-Levis topic. And um, the Richardson thought from this scout was bigger, stronger, faster version of Malik Willis. The Levis thought was, don't overlook the 2021 film. His junior film, there's some Matthew Stafford in there. And this scout is a little bit more pro-Levis than Richardson, but then was quick to mention, knowing how much the Colts are enamored with traits, he could very easily see the Colts be more Richardson than Levis. I think I've said this before on the podcast, Eddie, if you took these four quarterbacks... And you took their size and their measurables, and you plopped them into linebacker. Richardson would be the pick, probably nine times out of ten, because Ballard is such a big traits guy. My question, which I know he would not answer honestly, would be how much of the quarterback trait also includes neck up? Because that you can't measure on the field. You can You know, there's no uh, there's no forty yard dash time for that. So um, that would be a question that I have.
3: Yeah, I, I'm right there with you. Uh, Tyler's question is next. He says, hey, KB, what are your thoughts on the Colts not meeting with Will Levis at the Combine? Any indication of them that uh, them not having interest? Perhaps a smokescreen, as I believe the Colts also didn't meet with, uh, with Quentin Nelson at the Combine, but I may be misremembering. Now, is that factual? Because um, they don't make those kind of things public.
0: Yeah, I don't. I don't think you know. Typically, what happens is like on draft night, we just ask the guys, "Hey, what was your interaction like with the Colts during the draft process?" And they'll be like, "Oh, I met with them at the combine. I had a top thirty visit." Or, and honestly, probably more of them. It's like, "Yeah, I never really talked with them because." And I think a part of that is like you feel like you've done so much great homework on them, and they're such a clean prospect. Why waste your time or or, or why tip your hand? Uh, and I think in Levis's case, you could make the argument, Eddie, of the four guys. There, there are some that think he is the cleanest guy, again, head up in the type of leader he is, the type of worker he is. I think all these guys check that box to a nice degree, some more than others. Yeah. Um, I, I'm not going to act like there's red flags really with any of them in that area. You don't have like Jalen Carter situations with any of them. Or, you know, when Kyler Murray came out, you had the question of just how all in would he be on the game of football. You know, th- there's none of that with these guys. Now, I would definitely want to meet with Levis and, and go over that Kentucky film. <laughs> you know, I think that would be something you would definitely want to do. Uh, but again, doing that in a top 30 visit, doing that in a private workout, yeah, th- that to me is where it matters more. I've I am I've never been one that reads too much into these sorts of things. like, you know, the Colts met with Jordan Love in in kind of a one-on-one Zoom very late in the process. Basically, to think like, man, what is this all? You know, remember all the Jordan Love hype. Yep. Especially with the Colts, and the Colts are finally like, all right, we're we're gonna meet with them, and they just came away. They weren't very blown away by him, and that was that. You know, just because you meet with them, doesn't mean you love them. Doesn't mean you hate them. It's just get a little bit more intel on them. So I I try not to read. I I, I know it's juicy, but I try not to read too much into it.
3: The uh, the comment you made just a minute ago about. A Levis of not overlooking the twenty twenty one tape. The question I have as a rebuttal is: Is he that same quarterback?
0: That's the million dollar question. I mean, that's the hardest question to answer. The Will Levis camp would say Eddie Garrison, uh, new offensive coordinator in twenty twenty two. Tons of injuries around him. A lot of personnel change. That all factored into it. And the injuries. injuries to him. Yeah, the counter to that would be all of a sudden some scar tissue developed and when adversity hits, he crumbled a bit. You know, you can look at it glass half full, glass half empty and I know the it's kind of lazy that we always go back there, but that's kind of like the whole Josh Allen thing. You know, yeah. junior year much better than senior year. Senior year horrific against Oregon. I mean, that's the one like big time quality opponent. So um you could make the argument, Eddie, that Levis might be a harder case study than Richardson. You know, Richardson is much more inexperienced than Levis. Levis is a little bit older. He's been in college a little bit longer. Like, that's the one where, Richardson, you, you're banking on. He hasn't had enough time. He hasn't had a much, has enough time playing the position. Levis has had, theoretically, plenty of time. The argument there is just, was he in an environment to support him the best?
3: I'm not trying to get overly away from Twitter questions, but... Are we completely overlooking the aspect that they could take a they could take uh, Hinden Hooker later? I, I don't know where they're at in terms of where they value him and if they actually like him or not. Because there's been people, I think Chris Sims put him out as his third quarterback. And I know that it seems like the buzz around Hooker being a first-round pick... Past week or so has been growing more and more.
0: Yeah, Daniel Jeremiah had him 23 to the Vikings, I believe, in his mock. I do not think Hendon Hooker would be there at 35. Um, So if you want him, you got to go earlier. Hooker is interesting, Eddie, because think about it. You know, Lamar Jackson was the fifth quarterback taken in 2018. Typically, when you get into the fourth or the fifth quarterback taken in a draft and you're debating them like round one, round two, uh, Jordan Love would probably fall into this category as well. Usually, They have a massive ceiling. And the question is, in Jackson's case, could he be a quarterback? Could he throw? And in Love's case, it was, is there Mahomes-type ability in there? Hooker's not really that. Hooker's like, he's safe. That's kind of the word a lot of people use with him. Obviously, there's an injury question, which to me is fascinating. Because when you see these teams late round one, you know if you're Seattle or you're Detroit and you have that additional First round pick at 18 and 20, but you've got the veteran already in place. Wouldn't you be more attracted to a Richardson, a guy that supposedly needs to sit and needs to grow? Whereas Hooker, if he sits for two years, Eddie, he's 27 years old. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I know it's not like walking up the 16th hole, but then all of a sudden, <laughs> you know, things are a little bit dicey on that front. So, um, Hooker is one that. I would like just a little bit more potential out of my quarterback selection, but having said that, um, I still think he's a pretty good player.
3: I agree with you there. Connor's Twitter question is up next: How do we pay record money for a kicker but let Paris Campbell walk for 1.5 million after keeping him for injury seasons? Is Chris Ballard paying the wrong positions again, or a master plan?
0: Yeah, Connor, it's head scratching to me. Um, you know, I talked when we talked about Matt Gay this. Cannot and should not impact your other moves the rest of the offseason. Um, and, you know, to me, Eddie, wide receiver was already a need. And when you let Campbell walk, you just further that need. Again, I think McKenzie helps, but he doesn't cure at all.
3: The guy running today at a pro day, Jackson Smith and Jigba, uh, he was timed around 4 5 on his 40. Hmm. Now, I'm not saying this could happen, KB, because we know that Chris Ballard loves those picks. I'm just tapping a little bit here. You think he could trade back in late first round if he liked Jackson Smith at Jigba?
0: Boy, I mean, Owen Ballard four, five, and round one for a wideout, I don't know if that 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 meets the but old he, traits. I know he's laterally extremely good athlete. Yeah. Um. So maybe that would check that. But again, Eddie, this is where you're getting into some questions about the lack of free agency movement. I would argue right now, purely cornerback and offensive line are bigger needs than wideout. I think they're all
3: needs. But I agree if you were with to you. Like, I agree with you. To
0: really like rank them, I'd probably put it at three.
3: Yeah, I'd agree. Uh, with the recent reports of the Colts looking and now officially signing Gardner Minshew, this is from Will. Do you see this as an insurance or competition move, or are the Colts realizing there's a legitimate chance their guy isn't there and we go a different route in the draft? Such as trading back or going defense.
0: Yeah, I don't. I don't look at it at all. I don't think this move impacts draft position at all. I, I think the beautiful thing about Minshew, and I should have mentioned this earlier about him, Eddie. The other thing I think you really like about him, I think he's pretty low maintenance. I think he's. Perfectly content with Which I know that says like he's not a competitor I think he realizes he might Be needed to start 17 games and he might need To sit for 17 games and
3: he's gonna Have fun doing it
0: and the mania Will have fun doing it but again I think he's Pretty low maintenance which um, The contract tells you everything that you need to know The Colts don't know how much they're gonna Need him
3: plus he brings a moxie He brings a swagger he
0: got sw- There's a reason why I haven't showed Maddie any pictures Of him <laughs> still I'm trying to hide Trying to hide from you. Th-
3: you'd have to think she's seen by now. I,
0: I know she does follow the Colts on social, but, you know, hopefully she is not. She's not mentioned it, which, trust me, she would.
3: Now, could she be not mentioning it for your confidence?
0: Well, that would be a slap in the face, Eddie, at me. Um, I think she knows I could handle that. At least I think I could. I <laughs> may
2: maybe pout for a few minutes. Hey. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between.
3: Evan, do you guys think the Raiders are still likely to trade up and draft a quarterback since they just spent money on Jimmy Garoppolo? Craig says this is the same for the Seahawks, who just paid Geno Smith over $100 million. He was worried before those moves, but not now.
0: Craig, if I'm wrong, Eddie, but isn't the Geno Smith like heavily guaranteed in year one? I think it was like
3: 50-60, maybe? A lot of guarantees in year one. Yeah.
0: I'd say one question is this. Would they view Anthony Richardson as sitting for multiple years? Because if you think he's going to sit for two, then... You might be more content with Jimmy G or Jared Goff in Detroit or Geno Smith in Seattle. You know, the team that I'm curious about, Eddie, and particularly because the Colts are sitting there at four, what if the Tennessee Titans came screaming up from 11? It's a little bit further back. They don't have maybe the same ammo that Seattle and Detroit do at five and six, but that is one that I have thought about.
3: I do too, but I mean, they. A new
0: GM trying to make a big splash. They literally look like they're stripping it down.
3: Yeah. Um, that's what I was about to say. They could be really, really bad this upcoming yeah. year to be in the Caleb Williams and Drake May.
0: So maybe they're one eye that way, but it's you know, that's the beautiful part of it. And it goes back to the Carson Wentz draft when you had the Eagles trade from fifteen to two. And I think the Rams traded up if I'm not mistaken as well. That
3: was a pretty yeah.
0: significant trade for golf. So, you know, it's not unheard
3: of. Uh Gary would like you to help him by talking him off the ledge. Oh, wow. Okay.
0: All right, Gary. Yeah. Not the easiest task, but here we go.
3: And uh, he says that you've said this before for about a decade, that we have to get by Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, and Patrick Mahomes. Tell me how we build to beat those guys, or am I wearing blue and cheering for at least, or at best, nine wins every season for the next 10 seasons. Seriously, what's the plan?
0: Well, it, it, it's hard. I guess let's acknowledge that. This is not an easy process. Um, Eddie, I would argue I've never seen the AFC look like this at the quarterback position. Negative. I mean, it is... I don't
3: I think, think we've seen it across the NFL of it being so dominant. Yeah,
0: yeah. It, It's crazy. Um, the talent and the age, which I think... You have to realize, Gary, I, I'm i just such a believer that you have to try. You have to get the bat off your shoulders. You really never truly know on these quarterbacks until you get them into your own building. You never know. I mean, in Allen's case, where was he drafted? Seventh? In Mahomes' case, where was he drafted? Tenth? Like yeah. So even those teams were projecting a little bit, and there was an unknown, and they weren't a slam dunk. You know, Burrow would qualify more as a slam dunk, considering he was the number one overall pick. But you have to, I think, attempt it. You have to try. Um, and again, when you go four, twelve, and one, and you're sitting there, and you haven't taken a quarterback in the first three rounds in a decade, and you have the fourth overall pick, you've got to come away with generational you have to try and come away with generational. That's got to be the goal, particularly when you have this quarterback void like you do. Um, So you you draft, you try and develop, you try and support that quarterback, and you see where you fall. Because if you don't try, then you're not even getting into 9 or 10 wins. And again, it's not like Allen in 2018 or Mahomes in 2017. It's not like they were these... Can't miss prospects, unquestionably they're going number one. I mean, they they were not Caleb Williams hype or, you know, anything. Either they weren't even CJ Stroud or Bryce Young. So I'm not acting like one of these four from this year's class will turn into that. But I think just to sit here and be like, Oh, there's no chance any of those guys are good. I think that's a little short sighted.
3: Three questions to go. Uh Rob asks, which is the bigger risk? Bryce Young and his lack of physical traits? or Anthony Richardson and his lack of proven throwing accuracy slash quarterback polish. To me, on the Anthony Richardson side of this, I don't think it's a lack of proven throwing accuracy. He has accuracy. It's just inconsistent.
0: Yeah, I would say it is the accuracy part. You know, to me, with Bryce Young... The hardest trait to teach a quarterback that I think is the most important is poise. Yep, I think that's the hardest one. Poise slash processing, knowing where to go with a football, um, that to me is the most difficult aspect to try and mold into a quarterback. And I think Bryce Young has that. So I would rather have that than I'd rather have that and a lack of height than have the physical traits, but have questions about accuracy and consistency, which is probably the better way to put it. Um, Because like you said, there's certainly throws on film with Richardson that you really, really like. But, you know, does water just naturally find its level? That's kind of where I'm at.
3: Jordan. Hey, KB. How big of a loss do you think Brian Decker was when it comes to the, quote, character of the players when they draft And do you have someone else who is in that position now, or do they?
0: Yeah, they haven't announced anything on that
3: front. Um, Is that more of a Frank Reich thing than a Ballard thing, then?
0: Well, originally it was Ballard, Uh, very much Ballard thing. You know, I think Reich and him obviously struck a great relationship, and I mean David Tepper's got to be emptying the pockets, I think, a little bit more than.
3: Hey, well, uh, we'll pay out your contract in Indianapolis, and we'll give you uh, an extra mill or five hundred K. I'm
0: reading a little bit too much into this, but. You know, I think there are some, yeah. I should probably look this up because I hate to be misspeaking on our military, but I think there are some bases down in that area of the Charlotte, Carolinas that, you know, maybe Brian Decker ties to and he wants to be closer to that area for some reason. Uh, fair, so, fair. You know, fair. background, things like that. Um, now, Eddie, you brought this up frequently and I think it's worth, Worth repeating. You know, Brian Decker was also heavily involved in the head coaching search, yeah. sitting on in these interviews. So um, I, I'm not going to sit there and act like it is some major gargantuan loss when I have people inside that building telling me you don't understand how bad the culture was. And he was the quote unquote character, culture guy. <laughs> like, you know, I mean, so I'm not going to act like it's a major loss, but he was someone that clearly had intel and they trusted. So you know, maybe that's more for the immediacy here in 2023 and the draft moves they potentially will make. But, um, again, I I agree with Chris Boward's thoughts on high character. I just think it's something that you need to, you know, find a balance and not put all your chips into that basket.
3: Yeah, I know the previous regime didn't basket. Yeah, yeah,
0: all your chips into the table.
3: Yeah, yeah, all chips in KB.
0: Thank you, Coach. But,
3: <laughs> I mean, but it's interesting. I mean, the previous regime did not have a good culture, did not have a good, you know, character. And now that it's kind of established with yeah. the new with the new wave of quote blue chip players that are in the locker room. I don't know. I wonder if Chris Ballard can say, Hey, we may not need, you know, a, a replacement to this because we've got Shaq Leonard, we have Quentin Nelson, we have Jonathan Taylor, we have Michael Pittman Jr.
0: Yeah, but again, is the counter to that like maybe those guys are more of an issue than you think. Maybe that peak leadership is not at that that level.
3: Zaire Franklin.
0: You know, culture-wise, some of those guys, obviously, I, I, I would think are great leaders, but clearly there is something that internally is not going well. Again, I don't think it's the biggest loss in the world, but it, it's probably more curiosity than anything for me of like, hmm, that's a guy they trusted a whole lot,
3: Yeah, and now he's gone. Yeah. Uh, final Twitter question comes from the Beer League Chirper. Wide receiver should be a point of emphasis in the draft and or free agency. And with a rookie quarterback, why not go with an experienced wide receiver? That is a shoe-in Hall of Famer, such as DeAndre Hopkins. (laughs) Rumors say a second-round pick is what Arizona is looking for. Why not? Boy,
0: experience, he certainly checks that. Um, First off, would DeAndre Hopkins want to come here?
3: Oh, he would want to torch the Texans twice here. I I assure you that.
0: I would think he'd rather win than torch the Texans. So I don't know if that – I would like to think he's going to probably find some other teams that maybe check that box for him. So, um, yeah, experience, yes, but I, I, I don't know. I felt like – I feel like we've seen a little bit of tapering off from him. And obviously, you know, he had the PD – suspension last year that played into some of that and I get it's a really weak free agency class for wideouts I mean, you mentioned some of those names earlier Um, and again I also think while Hopkins is a really nice player he falls a little bit more into that power forward mold and I think it's important to try and make sure you keep that um, that room as diverse as possible
3: Uh, before this trade happens I'm assuming it'll happen relatively soon before the draft Uh, you know the Bengals sign left tackle Orlando Brown Jonah Williams, a former first-round pick out of Alabama, he's 25 years old, uh, has reportedly requested a trade from Cincinnati, and it appears that uh, the market is kind of heating up for the 25-year-old. Uh, do you think the Colts should take a look at him? He's got one year left cap. Uh, his salary this year is 12.6. Yeah, million.
0: I would certainly make a call. Just you know, curiosity in terms of what the price tag would look like. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but. Just had a serious injury or coming off a serious injury? He did. Um, you know, Bernard Ryman, I think, deserves a chance to be the guy at left tackle. Um, I don't know if Bernard Ryman has great position flexibility, to be honest with you. I know a lot of people are like, yeah, just get, you know, go get Orlando Brown and put Bernard Ryman a guard. Your question about Ryman is his strength. You put him a guard, that's going to be a little bit more exposed. So I would give a call. Um, but I think you've almost backed yourself into a corner, Eddie, with all your other needs That you have to have Ryman work out You it, like At quarterback, at edge rusher, at wide receiver, and at left tackle, and at corner You obviously can't give a first-round pick to all of them So I feel like with Ryman, you've just got to hope it works out
3: Totally agree with you there
0: He's Eddie Garrison. I'm Kevin Bowen. We'll come back next week for a podcast. Like I said, draft right around the corner. Written content all available at 107.5thefan.com. Enjoy the Sweet 16 and Elite 8, everybody, and uh, we'll talk to you next week.